Hey listeners, Chloe here. If you need to stay as up-to-date with the latest developments and innovations in the luxury industry as I do, you need to dive into Vogue Business. It's your ticket to a global perspective on fashion and beauty, delivering exclusive insights that will give you the edge in this competitive, dynamic industry. Just visit VogueBusiness.com today and use the code RUN20 at checkout to join the Vogue Business community. That's VogueBusiness.com, promo code RUN20. Don't miss out. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. AI is making waves in every field it touches. President Biden is now on TikTok and the election draws closer each day. With so much going on in the world, it is hard to keep up with it all, let me tell you. Hi, I'm Kai Rizdal, the co-host of Make Me Smart. It's a podcast from Marketplace. And every weekday, Kimberly Adams and I break down the latest in business and the economy with short daily episodes to make it easy for you to stay in the know. Listen to Make Me Smart wherever you get your podcasts. This is a run-through. I'm Cho Minardi. And I'm Chloe Mal. And this is our Shark Week Day 5. Choma, I'm so excited that we get to revisit your amazing uh, interview with Raul Lopez, the designer of beloved brand Luar. You went to his design studio in, is it Industry City in Brooklyn um, last winter? And I, mean, I love your origin story. <laughs> Tell us how you and Raul met. Oh, my goodness. I mean, he was a baby. He was still a teenager. And I remember... At the time, he he was um, one half of Hood by Air with Shane Oliver. And I remember taking a photograph of them both on the Lower East Side because I was vlogging about. Ah. And, yeah, he had the spark back then, you know. They were making T-shirts and it was super He must lo-fi. have been a baby. Yeah, he was maybe 19, 18. Wow. Um, but, you know, fast forward to 2017 and he founded his own brand and he's you know had a, his his bags have been a runaway hit i think i see i see those bags everywhere they have become a real hero product if you will yes and the anna bag which is the, the it bag that we're seeing everywhere was named after his mother and it kind of represents all of the women in his family not our not, mother not our mother <laughs> no <laughs> and this year he will be closing new york fashion week for the second time that's exciting. So, yeah, we went to his studio earlier this year and, yeah, it was great to talk to him about fashion because he, just to hear him talk about how his brand has evolved, just how far he's come was great. And he was going into doing the, um, I think it was like a, a couple of days before the announcement that he was part of the LVMH prize finalists. Like he yeah. was one of the, the chosen finalists. So the chosen ones. The chosen ones. So, you know, he's had a big year. He's had a big year, and we, we got to snoop around in his studio, which was fun. Oh, so out excited. In Brooklyn. Yeah. Hi, I'm Raul Lopez, and I have a brand named Luar. 
And tell us a bit about the name. I actually didn't put two and two together for a long time. It was basically your name backwards. It is my name backwards. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it all really stemmed from creating this alter ego. It was actually my AOL name. It was a way of like kind of hiding myself and not letting people know who I really was because I was obviously gay and lighting 101 to know and blah, 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 like being in the chat rooms, but it was still me. And I always say like Luar is just a reflection of myself. So it's funny because I used it in the beginning when I started designing my own label, it was Luar Zippo. I was like, I just want to fool everybody in the industry and make them think I'm like a French boy. Like, you know. <laughs> it does like sound like a French yeah, boy. Yeah, I was like, it sounds kind of French. Louis <laughs> the pole, you know. And like, it was a way of like, okay, this is how I can like clickbait. They won't know it's like this Dominican boy from Brooklyn. Even though they already knew me, but it was a way to like, again, use the alter ego to like reel people in. You're one of the few New York designers who actually was born in New York. And tell me what it was like growing up in Brooklyn. I mean, you grew up in Williamsburg. I'm born and raised in Williamsburg, which was called Los Sures, which is the south side of Williamsburg. I mean, it was definitely a diamond in the rough. (laughs) (laughs) It was... Not a good era to be living in Brooklyn. It was probably top five or 10 in the 80s and 90s, deemed one of the worst places to live in. Wow. And had the biggest poverty rate. Mm. But to me, it was beautiful. I loved everything about it. We were getting robbed every month, probably. (laughs) And I remember coming home and no TV. Everything is gone. Like just the sofas. And my dad was the, the super of the building, so they hated us. It was like, oh, no. they would spray can our like door. I mean, this is like the graffiti era, and it was like floor to ceiling graffiti in the building. It was just like crazy. It looked like an art. Not, now it would be like an art installation, but we would get home and it would be like, F the super. And like, oh, I had the kryptonite for his wife. Ooh. Like, it was like crazy, but. Even though it was this like really crazy urban dystopia, I mean, that's all I knew. So to me, it was really amazing and it was beautiful. And a lot of my inspiration comes from that era. I feel like it built the skin that I have now and the person I am. And I'm very grateful for everything that I saw growing up in this like shitty dump. I always sit back and think about it. I mean, I was in the Uber coming over here and I got really emotional because I was just looking out the window and... Not to sound like cliche, and I was like, damn, it's so crazy. Like, I'm still in the same apartment I grew up in, you know? And to me, it's like, all this can come. And I've lived a life of, like, any kid would wish to live, you know? And I've been privileged. I scraped myself to the top, and I've hustled and bustled. So, And, like, going to the bathroom right now, I was upstairs. And, um, sorry, I'm getting a little emotional. But, like... The guy who was like in the bathroom, cleaned the windows, he he was just like, you make me so proud. You're mm. like, I'm Dominican and I see how hard you work in your office. He's like, I didn't know you were Dominican. He's like, thank you so much for doing this for mm. us. And I was like, thank you. And I was walking down here and I was, I had to tell him, I was like, I need to take like a, a moment. But I think that's like my mission is just, oh, we could all do it in this like space. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the energy at your shows and having seen how hard you worked and how 
you really lead from your heart and your soul. And yeah. so, so much of your work, you feel the person who you are. Yeah. And there's something really pure and, and beautiful about, about that. I recently went to the Harvey Milk School to talk to some of the kids with a friend of yours, James Garland. And, oh my God. Yeah. And I think you went to that school, right? So actually I used to sneak into the school. Okay. okay. So James and Shane, Shane and me co-founded HBA mm-hmm. and Sh- and James was part of the clique as well. And right. also designed like the accessories and, you know, he was part of the team. It was just like us three, mm-hmm. you know, but it was just so funny because I used to go there because Shane would use the Photoshop class <laughs> and we would use it to make the HBA t-shirts. Right. Wow. Illustrator was so expensive. Amazing. <laughs> so it was like, we were going there and then we were like, get the PDF and then take it to like, I think it was like on Varick Street and get the screens burned. And then we were so screen in my house on the floor. Wow. I uh, know. Humble beginnings. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cool. I mean, I think we should explain a little bit about like what makes this, that school particularly special. Obviously, it's like designed specifically for... Queer children. Yeah, for queer children. It's just for queer children. And I think it was a good moment in my life because I was going to a straight high school. Right. And I met Shane on Christopher Street, which was like the safe haven for like all the queer kids and that, especially for the POC kids, because we couldn't be who we really wanted to be. Like I used to pack my clothing in my backpack, get changed on the train platform when I would get off on like West four and and there was no M train. So it was like from the J (laughs) yeah. And this is at night. So I was like sneaking out at like 10 PM and then going to like Christopher street. And so I would take the J to the F and then get off on West fourth and then walk all the way to the end because it was Ooh. this like round mirror <laughs> at the end of the platform, which is like, I mean, there wasn't cameras, so they had these mirrors. And I used to go to Milk was because on Fridays they would have after school was like voguing. This is where like the mini balls started and Shane was nasty at voguing. Like <laughs> it was so good. But it was funny because I used to have really long hair. So like my thing was like always throwing shade with my hair. And, like, <laughs> and that's how kind of like even before we were cool, like we were, there was this spot in Harlem called the Karate Club and it was called the, cl- the Clubhouse. And Clubhouse is where we all used to go. And that's where they would have like the mini balls every Thursday. I would go from Brooklyn to Harlem and leave there at like 5 a.m. to go to school. Because those balls always start late, right? They don't get going uh, until. Like, so it was what like, is the average you, start time? And so you would, you would go and the beats, they would just have like voguing beats. It was like, and you would just be going crazy for like three hours. Wow. And then it would be like, let's say like from like 10 to like 1 a.m. And then the ball would start. But for those three hours, you're just going crazy. What and was the atmosphere like? What was it like for you as like a teenager to be in those spaces? good it was just like a really difficult era to you know be flamboyant and dress the way we did i mean we stood out even in the balls we stood out in christopher street we stood out in the hood we stood out everywhere we went we always stood out and i think like it was a safe haven for all of us like a lot of these kids were being displaced they were being kicked out of homes i had the luxury and the privilege to not be kicked out but i still couldn't be myself The run-through will be back in just a moment.
Hi, we're Carlene and Jill, hosts of Breaking Beauty Podcast, the show all about the breakthrough people, products, and moments in beauty. On our show, you're going to find hella inspiring guests like Emily Weiss of Glossier, and you'll get beauty tips galore from the top pros in the industry, like Kim Kardashian's makeup guru. And you'll hear skincare secrets from the likes of Dr. Pimple Popper. Plus, you'll get shopping help with our Damn Goods episodes, where we review the latest products hitting store shelves to let you know what's actually worth your money. Listen every Wednesday to Breaking Beauty Podcast. Have you ever owned something that inspired you to up your game? Maybe a chef-grade range made you want to hone your cooking skills or a high-tech tennis racket made you want to work on your backhand. I recently bought a new pair of running shoes and that made me love hitting the pavement again. Well, when we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. This podcast is supported by Macy's. Mother's Day is May 12th, and Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Shop by price, 25 and under to 100 and under. Category, like fragrances and handbags. Or gift lists, like for the mom who has everything or for grandma. Macy's has all the hottest gift ideas, like Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, Samsung smart TVs, and more. Go to macys.com slash gift finder to shop. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder today. I, I'm sort of curious, you know, I feel like you probably came out of the womb with style. Like, when did you know you wanted to design? I always loved it. My dad was a super, so he was trying to get me to do like custodial work or like <laughs> construction or something. And I'm like, no, I just wanted to be by my mom by the sewing machine. If you see like all my looks when I was a kid. I've heard about them. My mom would have to like put me in a suit and tie to go to school. I wouldn't go. And they used to call me Chalinita, which means little tie, because I always had to have a tie on. (laughs) It's so funny. I'm like, still the same girl. (laughs) (laughs) Look at this picture. I have it always on my phone. You'll have to describe it to us. It's like the gold chain, the fade, the hair design. (laughs) It's like the T-shirt. I'm like, I'm literally this. I'm the same person. <laughs> it's the same person. Literally the same. But I always knew. I always wanted to be a designer since I was a kid. I uh, also was a way of escaping and kind of becoming this chameleon to fit into all the circles in school. Mm. So I was like kind of like designing things that, you know, could appease like the hood kids, like mm. the goth kids, like the nerd. So it was like I would have like the Timberland on with like a pair of like really weird jeans that I probably like chopped up and like, what I don't know, took the sleeves off, put it on my T-shirt and like safety. It was just, that was so crazy. It was just like, I made so much stuff out of duct tape. It was crazy. Like wow. Home Depot probably made so much money off of me <laughs> growing up because it was like, you ask like people that went to like junior high school, high school with me, they were like, oh my God. They used to ask me if I could design something for them and they would pay me with the duct tape. Because I would go so crazy with this duct tape. It was like Valentine's was coming. It was like red tape and like white tape and like black. It was like, and then I had the thrift store Domsies that was like two blocks from me. So I would just go buy leather, Uh, chop it up. 
did like the whole thing. It was, I mean, kind of still my DNA. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still the same girl. Yeah, it's I it's love a hybrid. So cool. Yeah, no, and and I I love how your your aesthetic sort of speaks to that too. You know, and obviously you had knowledge. You know, you'd already been part of a fashion brand. Like, what was it like? What was the kind of emotion going into doing your first thing solo? Because like, obviously you knew you'd. You'd had a history of doing fashion, but like mm-hmm. there's something different about striking out on your own and it being. I, yeah, I mean, obviously it's different when you don't have a shoulder to lean on or mm-hmm. someone to like ask. Or yeah. I was completely by myself, yeah. and Shayna's a genius. Yeah. At the end of the day, we're still like close friends, like yeah. just still my sister, you know. And credit is due when it's due, and mm-hmm. she is one of the best designers that have existed in our era for sure, for sure. like yeah, for sure it's in, like period yeah but i think that was our story and i wanted to say my own story and and when i decided to do it it was difficult it was hard i was alone and it's a hard thing to start again from scratch i bet we scratched yeah, to get to the top you built a brand i wanted to create something that people can also exist, be and fit in. And if you don't fit in and make clothing that make people feel comfortable in their own skin. Yeah. I mean, and then you went from that to like having a best-selling it bag. I mean, you did what a lot of designers really, what is so difficult to do. Like tell us about like what the process was of designing that first bag and obviously being an accessories girl yourself, knowing accessories. like what I think, you- I, I mean, I'm an accessory girl. Like, that's my thing. But it took me a long time to, like, figure out the perfect silhouette that also I wanted to pay homage to my grandmother and my mom, but I didn't know how to, like, conceptualize it yet. They hustled and bustled in these factories in New York. I wanted to like kind of represent the mod era of like fashion with the handle, Mm. which is more like my grandmother's era. Mm. And then the briefcase-esque shape of the body, which is more like an 80s, 90s, you know, nod to my mom. At home, I, I remember making a briefcase out of like neoprene. And I put like, I remember cutting off backpack straps and like literally hand stitching it. And I covered my dad's briefcase in the neoprene and he's looking for it. And it was in my closet (laughs) and I had took it and like wrapped it in like black neoprene and like put straps on it. And I think the bag is really special. I wanted people to take a piece of me and my heritage and also like paying homage to immigrants that came here I like to share stories through my pieces. T- tell me about the name of the bag. Uh, so the bag is called Anna. Uh, it's named after my mom, both my grandmothers, my sister, and wow. X, Y, and Z. They're all Annas. That's why I named it Annas, because of them. All the female figures in my family that really molded me into who I am. Mm-hmm. And... My mom is my biggest supporter since I was a kid. And I remember her like being like, no, I want to take you to therapy. But it wasn't because she was trying to convert me. Right. She wanted me to come out. Right, right, right. And right, she, right. Knew, wow. she saw me so miserable. Right. And she was just really trying to help me free myself. Mm-hmm. And she, she was like, if you can't tell me, maybe you'll tell somebody else yeah. that's not in the family. And like, you know, you can finally like just let it out and say it. Like, just say it. When I came out to my mom, she was like, oh, 
the only one who didn't know was you, you know? <laughs> and I'm crying. It's like 3 a.m. And I come home and I'm like crying on the couch. And she comes on. She's like, what's wrong? And I was like, I'm bisexual. I, couldn't say, I didn't want to say I was gay. And, you know, I was like, I still like girls. But she was like, oh, sweetie, you know, it's okay. She was like, the only one who didn't know was you. And I was like, that wasn't the outcome I wanted. I wanted you to cry. And like, she was just laughing. It was kind of crazy because I was so scared my whole life. Yeah. Countdown to Fashion Week. You, you are closing Fashion Week, which is a huge deal. How are you feeling right now? I feel crazy. Good crazy though, but a lot of like I'm a bit angsty, just nervous, you know. I just want to make everybody proud and not saying like I'm not going to shut it down because I am. Yeah, I'm excited to know what you have in store. I mean, I, I think not, this not, is no pressure. <laughs> no pressure. I mean, it's always pressure, even without <laughs> the pressure. That's it for this episode. Tomorrow on the show, our New York Fashion Week coverage continues with a recap of the shows with Vogue's fashion director, Virginia Smith, and a special episode with model, activist, and all-around spectacular woman, Beth Ann Hardison. Also, get ready for Vogue World on September 14th, happening in London. It's a multi-act celebration of the British performing arts, and you can watch the live stream on Vogue.com on September 14th, starting at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 8 p.m. London Time. The Run Through with Vogue is a production of Condé Nast Entertainment. The show is produced by Susie Lechtenberg, Chelsea Daniel, and Alex John Burns. It's engineered by Jake Loomis and Gabe Kiroga and mixed by Mike Kutchman. See you soon. Bye. I'm Rachel Martin. You probably know how interview podcasts with famous people usually go. There's a host, a guest, and a light Q&A. But on Wildcard, we have ripped up the typical script. It's a new podcast from NPR where I invite actors, artists, and comedians to play a game using a special deck of cards to talk about some of life's biggest questions. Listen to Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts, only from NPR. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support. It meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at betterhelp.com. That's betterhelp.com.